I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 48, right? We yeah. We just discussed this and I already fucking forgot. Yeah, it's number 48. All right, 48 of Fried Squirms. We're here to talk with you, well, more at you. <laughs> directly uh, at you. Directly into your ear holes about horror movies. And this week we're covering... The Belko Experiment. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting take. Not that I'm not... I'm just already thinking about this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I'm not nearly as excited after having watched it as some of the other ones we've done recently. There might be a second agreeance with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way about that. I guess before we get into things this week, fucking happy birthday, man. Your Thank birthday you. was a couple days ago. so Yeah, man. I'm uh, 36 now, so getting closer to 40, I suppose. I don't know. old man. Yeah. doesn't feel like it, but I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, I feel pretty good, man. I'm a... Uh, Still enjoying myself. Nice. Any any news from the week for you? No, I mentioned to you that I've been trying to catch up on season one of Preacher. Having a good time watching that. So uh, just doing that. Like I said, just watching a little football. You know, it's usual. Yeah, fuck How about football. yourself, man? What you been up fuck to? Fuck football right now. Yeah, I know. Damn I it, my goddamn team. No, so, I mean, I guess mine also kind of leads into the episode a little bit. I do feel a little bit underprepared for this as compared to usual because this week i only got one viewing in as compared to my normal two right um, it's okay but it's because i have been viewing of a few other things one of which for this podcast i would definitely love to pass along we have definitely discussed in the past how real life serial killers will influence some of these people that pop up in these movies yeah, without um, a doubt without a doubt i mean what immediately jumps to mind is ed gein being the inspiration for a fuck ton of things. Great point. We go into that a lot back in our Texas Chainsaw 2 episode, for sure. Probably a few other times, because it's impossible not to mention the fucking Butcher Plainfield. <laughs> yeah. Obviously very directly with Henry being a hyper-realistic version of a couple serial murders. And so I only got in one viewing of the Assigned movie. That's okay. But I did finish... Going through the new Netflix series Mindhunter. I've been hearing a lot of good things about that from several people. I really, really enjoyed it and it hooked me in a lot more than I thought it would. I think Hannibal kind of weirdly primed me for it, first off. Now, Mindhunter, not necessarily horror, kind of reminded me of The Wire in a way. Okay, great show. Not so much as it shows the struggles of like crime in the inner city and the system around that. More in like The Wire, like season three, where you have people with an idea that are trying to push this idea through the system, no matter how. Right. Like with Hamsterdam, how he sort of kept it hush-hush. In this, it's the first like FBI profilers, like figuring out that like mm. serial killers are something different. They're not the same as the rest of these murderers that we have, these, you know, just, I don't want to say casual, but like maybe just like heat of passion murders or kind of impulsive impulsive right. shit this is something else that we need to be looking at that we might be able to prevent if we understand it enough yeah there are signs to be i guess learned or gleaned from and so it follows those agents going through and like interviewing some pretty high profile serial killers ed kemper is the big one that hooked me in because i've read about ed kemper before big ed jesus Six foot nine, like 140 IQ. Wow. Killed the shit out of a bunch of co-eds down in Santa Cruz. 
It was kind of like kind of a weird story, like abused as a kid, fucking weird childhood, including some amount of institutionalization after killing his grandparents. Wow. He had already killed somebody and ended up back out on the streets. There's things to be learned from this. Yeah. Yeah. But he was just like a super nice guy also. Otherwise, like super nice, super talkative. And so they right. they ended up getting a lot of information from him uh-huh. and a lot of the initial insights and shit. That's really interesting. I do need to go and check that out for sure. It's really funny because we just got done doing Hannibal. Yeah, absolutely. And sure it's kind of like the origins of the world that Hannibal is set in, in a way. Where all of the stuff that they're discovering in Mindhunter sets up the world that they all hold to be true in the future and how they profile people. And, and it's like them coming upon those first discoveries on how these little clues in the crime scene uh, point to different things in their psychology and stuff. And huh, that's really cool. I highly recommend it. It's not necessarily horror, but it definitely ties in. And I think a lot of people with an interest in horror also probably get down on like serial killer stories. So... Yeah, I think that's within reason. So yeah, check that out. And, I mean, I guess slight spoiler, but for me it would be a hook in to hear this. And so if you don't want to hear it, like 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, it seems like the second season is setting up for fucking BTK. Oh, wow. So. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be an interesting one for sure. So cool, man. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out in the weeks to come. Check in with you on that. And... Also, along those lines, did Charlie Manson just die? Did you see that? I had heard that he was having some uh, health issues that were, I guess, signs of his demise. I thought for sure I saw that just like like 15 minutes before you, no you arrived, but I didn't look into it, so I'm going to check it right now. All right. Oh, yeah. There we go. He died. Charles Manson just died. CNN reported it four hours ago from when we're looking at right now. I thought I saw that it might happen last night, but... Oh, yeah, because here's NPR reporting it 18 hours ago. So last night, Charles Manson died, talking about fucking inspiration for... It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. And <laughs> There you go, yeah. I mean, Otis, through and through, is inspired by Charles Manson. Not a person I want to glorify in any way, but, I mean, Manson's been kind of synonymous with crazy pop culture-wise Gosh. my entire life. Yeah, I mean, I've known about it for, you know, since I was a kid. So, I mean, that goes all the way back to the 80s. I remember getting stoned a few times in college. And me and my buddy, well, (laughs) and me and my buddies looking up videos. Well, that's the thing. I actually only got stoned like four times or so in college. But like two of the times we ended up looking at some of the like Charles Manson interview videos where he just like (laughs) descends into gibberish. Like, and just like watching (laughs) that on a loop, just fucking bawling fucking laughing because but it's not funny too because dude it's yeah it's a real person and that's some heavy shit but it's also insane like <laughs> yeah I, know mean. I mean you got to take that with a little understanding too like not that you're laughing at the person is just there's certain things that are like so absurd they're they are laughable i don't know i guess what i want to say is like it's not a position that anyone should ever choose to fill or anyone should ever hope fills. I would hope but not. But in a lot of ways, he has absolutely left a marker on society because that has reached beyond simply the killing. It became a pop cultural phenomenon. You know, it's still talked about, of course, till today. And it's going to be talked about for decades to come. But it is a, I don't know, just a weird sensationalism of this person and the group of people that he influenced. And 
it spawned all these different things pop I mean, culturally. A, a you know, true celebrity killer. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's. It's kind of unheard of. It's. I mean, it's almost despicable in some regards. You know, but it's still fascinating the psychology behind a, a lot of that stuff. But now he's dead. So yeah. So you, there Charles you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, going back into horror too. If you look at the killings of uh, Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. that ties back into Roman Polanski and. A lot of, you know... So, fuck you, Roman hmm. Polanski. Yeah, so fuck you, Roman Polanski, unfortunately, for Sharon Tate. But, I mean, it does cross into the, the horror genre as well. So, I mean, you're right. It does have these weird connections with horror. So, yeah, I guess that's it for the shit that's not Velcro <laughs> Experiment. Yeah, exactly. But, no, you know, in, in a way... I'm not saying that this movie in any way is influenced by that, but... Yeah, it's a weird... I wouldn't even say conclusion to that chapter... Well, what I thought was weird, because like I said, I thought I saw something about it last night. And that's huh. why I said, oh, oh yeah, maybe let me keep scrolling through this. And yeah, 18 hours ago, whatever it was reported. Because the weird timing was, they keep talking about in Mindhunters wanting to interview Manson. <laughs> so you got good luck so now. so about the time I was finishing that up last night would have been about the time he died. Jesus. Way to go, Tyler. I know, yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, I'll, I'll take credit. Dude, that show should have came out years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Unique timing, eh? Yeah. Cool. Well, shit. With that, let's get into the <laughs> guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Of the Belco experience. I'm ready. Guts and bolts. Here we are. Guts and bolts. All up in them. What went into making the Belco experiment? Yes. Uh, so, before I forget, we'll start with the synopsis. Yes, good point. Great point. Oh, God, I wish I still had Patrick for a synopsis. How good was that for The Shining? Well, we did offer him the invitation to come and do synopsis for us, so, I mean, that offer still stands. Okay, synopsis for the Belco experiment. It's actually pretty simple. A bunch of people get locked in an office building with no way out and forced to kill each other. That's right. This is a story about survival. It's pretty simple. What more do you need to know? A bunch of people. Yes. 80 people. Yes, good point. 80 people in an office survival of the fittest. A battle royale. <laughs> of sorts? Ugh, I wish. Anyway, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> I guess leading off, because that's a good synopsis, we'll talk about our director for this film, and that's uh, Greg McLean. He's known for being the director of Wolf Creek, the first and the second film. That's where I know him from. In other films, The Darkness has a film. I'm not sure if it's coming out or if it is out, uh, a film called Jungle. And he did a short film, ICQ, and he's done a few others. Our writer for this film is a big name because he is a director, producer, and writer of many films, but that's James Gunn. And some of the big films that people would recognize James Gunn are some of the current film, or one of the biggest films right Holy now. Holy fucking hell, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Exactly. I wrote down a couple of his credits because there were some interesting ones. I mean, he's known for some cool shit. Dawn of the Dead, 2004. Wrote the script. Right. Because it was Zack Snyder directed. Right. Did uh, some work on Scooby-Doo, live version. Matthew Lillard. on (laughs) Tromeo and Juliet. Yes, that's going way back. That's some of his early works. He did one on the film Super with Rain Wilson. We mentioned that like back when we did House of a Thousand Corpses, if I'm not mistaken. He also helped on the film Slither, which I thought was really cool, and the film Specials. I mean, he's done work on all kinds of stuff, but those are some of his bigger hitters. 
I think uh, one of my favorite things I've ever seen from him is the very first episode of James Gunn's PG porn. I've heard about that. Where like I've seen with how many Nathan people are connected with this. It's hilarious. Oh my god! It's. I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Go look it up. It's PG porn. Like it sets up the porn scenario. <laughs> I, I did look at the. But something goes cast, wrong before yeah. it can go on that's to the funny. point where that's it funny. would be go beyond PG. Yeah, it's like. If you like porn, but without the sex. It is amazing. Uh, I love <laughs> the porn. first episode. One of my favorite. I, oh my god. I remember watching that for the first time and just like, oh my god, showing it to all my friends. We all watched it on a fucking loop for that, like all day. <laughs> That's awesome. I wasn't even smoking weed yet. Okay, no, I was. No, but not as often. I didn't have a weed man. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Good times, man, regardless. All right. Our cinematographer for this film, interesting person, is uh, Luis David Sanzans. He did work on the show Narcos and the film Escobar, Paradise Lost, and the film Captive. I believe he's more known for his Spanish-titled films. Our editor for this film is Julia Wong. She's worked on some pretty cool projects. The film Hercules, Red Riding Hood, Extract, which is kind of a, kind of a dark comedy. Pink Panther 2. We talked about the X-Men earlier. X-Men The Last Stand. She helped edit that film. And a big credit we're about to talk about is the music composition. Uh, this is the Taylor Bates. Yes. Huge name. He worked on both of the Guardian of the Galaxy films. Punisher TV series. Kingdom TV series. We brought that up during Hannibal because of one of the characters. The show Californication, which I like a lot. David Duchovny. He worked on the film Killer Joe, the movie Sucker Punch, Halloween 2. He's worked on most of Rob Zombie's films, like The Halloweens and Devil's Rejects. Really cool. Watchmen, Doomsday, 300, Slither, See No Evil. I mean, there's so many fucking cool films. That was the other thing I was getting down on this weekend was Marvel's new Punisher on Netflix. And it's a fucking heavy show. And I didn't know that he was doing some of the music in that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's involved with some really cool projects, for sure. I want to sorry. point out that because now you've brought up the Guardians of the Galaxy connection a couple times, yes. and so there's still two more connections. Oh, huge made. ones, yeah. And so sure. let's move into the cast just for a titch to make that connection straight right, across. Yeah, yeah. Because we do have Michael Rooker showing up. Yeah, we do, as Bud. Who, on this podcast, we last saw in Henry. Which you just brought up just a little while ago, which is cool. And who I last saw in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when I watched it the other weekend. But Nice. <laughs> and also... Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother, okay, and also appears in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and is one of the Ravagers. He's the one that didn't mean to do a mutiny, which is great. Um, it's a fantastic movie. but <laughs> Nice, dude. Sweet. Yeah, like, so there's some really cool connections tied back into this film. Because oh, of... in this, he's the stoner. Ah, okay. I know you're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Sweet, man. Yeah, I wrote down our special effects team. There was... Some pretty good gore. I mean, not to get too heavily detailed, but... Ooh, that's a, that's something that did stand out to me yeah. about this movie. Going into this, I know that I didn't sound too excited, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is good gore in this movie. Great gore effects, I thought. No, we are a horror movie podcast, so that shouldn't be too shocking. But our makeup and visual effects team, our Masters Effects and Sandbox FX, they helped with uh, some additional visual effects. This movie was produced by James Gunn and a gentleman named Peter Safran, and he's produced some current films I wrote down, Aquaman being a big film coming out soon. 
Aquaman, Aquaman talks to fishes when he can. <laughs> That's a pretty good picture that film. Yeah. Uh, he's known for being the producer on all the Conjuring films and one of my favorite parody comedy horror films, comedy horror, Scary Movie 2 and Scary Movie. Nice. Yeah, so he helped produce some of those films. Wait, uh, he was on the first two? Yeah. Oh, those were the, some of the good ones. I think those were the two best, Yeah. if you ask me. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't put it together right away. I love it, man. Because some of those later ones. They're... Anyway. They're entertaining. Uh, our production companies for this film are Metro Goldwyn Mayer, better known as MGM. <laughs> the Saffron Company and Troll Court Entertainment. Our distributors are Orion Pictures and BH being Bloomhouse Tilt. Budget for this film was a moderate five million. It grossed right at eleven million, made four point one million on its opening weekend back actually in March of two thousand seventeen. So not a bad opening weekend. Release date was September tenth, two thousand sixteen, at the Toronto International Film Festival, and March seventeenth here in the states. Really didn't have a tagline, but it's known as the Office Space meets Battle Royale, which mm, that's very debatable. And that's not really a tagline. Now, we kind of blew through some of those production credits, but there was a couple things that stood out to me in this movie. Maybe a little bit for the how does that make you squeal section, but... Right. That's okay. Seeing that Orion logo come up at the beginning... Oh, that's old school. That was awesome. That made me ha- so happy. Now, Orion Pictures went defunct in 1999, and it was only in 2013 that they were... I don't know if it's like an offshoot or whatever, but it was revived by MGM, and it's a a portion of MGM. But, I mean, back in the day, like, that would have come up before fucking, what, like, Sons of the Lambs and, like, Platoon. Yeah, that was a big one back in the day, Uh, for sure. Like, Mississippi Burning. Yeah, dude. Seriously, there was was some awesome big movies that were big in our younger days, more my youth. (laughs) Oh, mine for sure, yeah. Um... My extreme youth, though, but I am a bit younger <laughs> mm, than you. Extreme youth. <laughs> Back when I was a baldy. <laughs> but, I mean, I grew up seeing the fucking Orion logo, and that was, oh, man, that, that had me hooked. I was like, yes, I'm in, whatever. The other thing is, Blumhouse kind of fits into why we decided to do this movie. Yeah, uh, Just sure to sort of shout out First Class Horror for a second, another horror movie podcast. We both listened to an episode where he talked about Blumhouse and we're like, have we done any Blumhouse yet? Well, we should. Yeah, I think the more recent one that we did was Get Out. Right. Yeah, we did end up getting to Get Out before. Yeah. But that was that one. had been a while before that. Yeah. But we talked about doing this one first. We did. To sort of make sure that we could give Blumhouse a shout out because as far as modern horror goes, they're kind of... Top, oh, they're it uh, right among now. the top of the game right now. Yeah, for a really neat reason. They kind of go by, I guess, like the necessity being the mother of invention, and fund these really low, low budget, kind of budget. Yeah, I mean, considering now, low budget, high concept horrors. Yeah, huge returns, and yeah, some of them have been fucking amazing and knocked it out of the park, and even the ones that haven't been spectacular. They're doing this all on a low budget anyway. And Not Spectacular has still been seeing great returns for this company. And they haven't, none of them have been bad movies, I don't think. No, I, I would say that most, if not all of them, are above average. And some of them, you know, are kind of standard bearers. And, I mean, 
have we talked about the amount of money the paranormal activity has oh made? Oh my fuck. How much? I mean, like, look, like the first paranormal activity alone. Budget, $15,000. What do you think are grossed? I'm going to say $110 million. $193 million. I knew it was going to be some crazy fucking number. Damn, that's wild. Like, what, what else? Like, I mean, budget. I'm not even going to talk. All the paranormal activities pull in money. Gosh, um, man. But let's just go across the board to a different franchise okay. that Blumhouse has their finger on. How about Insidious? The first one? Yeah. Budget, $1.5 million. All right. Uh, Insidious, I'm going to say pulled in $75 million. $97 million. Oh, wow. I'm in the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. But, man, that's... Considering their budget, like I said, I knew that was kind of what Blumhouse is in the wheelhouse for. They get these, or they produce these smaller budgeted films, and they fucking knock it out at the ballpark, being the box office. The first Purge. All right, the Purge. First what was the one. budget? Uh, three million. Three million. The first Purge. I'll go fifty-five million. Eighty-nine. I wouldn't have guessed that high. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that high maybe for like number three because I, I know it was that, a big I heard that film. at number two they start getting a lot better. We've actually talked about this. We're probably going to do yeah, a no, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure when yet, but it's yeah. probably going to happen. I think that's. Uh, I really want to dip into those movies. I think that's one of the most fun ideas I've heard in a long time. And... I concur. Yeah, that'll be fun. But yeah, I mean, just talking about just a few of those franchises, right? And. You look at, like I said, the initial budget and then the return, and these are just for a few. And, I mean, you start stacking all the films up, they're making happy returns. But it also means that there's a lot of cool projects getting out that normally might not have been put on the market, you know. And they take gambles. There's a couple upcoming projects they have that I'm excited for. They're making a movie out of fucking Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh man, yeah, I've I've heard about that. That is going to be if when and that happens, if they make it half as scary as the game, I'm going to be shitting myself. I I can't play it. First off, partially because I suck at it. I'm not going to lie. My little nephews are all about it. But at one point back in my earlier history, I was going with this gal that played it a lot, and so like I had no problem watching her play it over her shoulder while I like fucking cuddled up with her and shit. Yeah, that's pretty hot. Fucking, she was good at it too, so I really liked watching her play because, like, I couldn't do that shit. Like, like I'm fucking right. good. Damn, that game is good. Somebody fucking killed it. I don't know enough about it. I know that, like, there's tons of fucking oh, it's huge people that are phenomenal, huge, right love now. it, that are just, like, shouting at me names of developers and shit right now. It wasn't my thing because I sucked at it. Like, right. I, I don't know why. Like, it's one of those games. It, it fucking got me. I couldn't do it. But. Big shout out because now Bloomhouse. But they're also working with Todd McFarlane on an upcoming Spawn wow. adaptation, which I'm excited for. Because That's huge. It does sound like it might be a little bit different than what fans were hoping for for all these years. McFarlane seems like he has some ideas on how to evolve the character a little bit. But in his defense, he is the one that decides what a Spawn show is. He's the creator. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I'm willing to at least hear out his ideas, give it a shot. Worst case scenario, like... I did that before in my youth, and I ended up with the fucking Star Wars prequel trilogy. Not good, but I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's still it was still Star Wars. There were still cool things that got added. I mean, they still gave me Darth Maul. Like, I have a feeling this is going to be the same way. Even fucking Todd McFarlane shits the bed with this, which <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's going to do. Yeah. It's probably going to add something that I'm going to like. So It'll be an interesting concept, or whatever comes to fruition, you know, you'll get something out of it. 
And I believe they're also working on the upcoming Halloween movie. Yeah, no shit. Which, have you been following that? Honestly, I haven't, not as much as I should be. Did we talk about that? The fact that Jamie Lee's coming back and everything? I think we touched on that one. I think we might have flirted with it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Blumhouse are the ones that have their fingers all up in that, and so I trust them with it up and down. Likewise, I mean, considering... That's going to be exciting, too. I think that'll probably be one I'll check out when it comes out. Okay. And now I'm done blowing Blumhouse and Orion Pictures. I just really wanted to bring them up because, honestly, I like being able to talk about that company in a way because I I like the idea of just, like, these little ideas, just, like, making them have to do with it. Because as I overall feel about this movie, they did a lot with a little in this movie, like they've been doing across the board. I would Um, agree with that. And that alone is kind of impressive. I mean, big ups. Bloomhouse is doing their thing, man. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see future projects, without a doubt. You know, you touched upon a couple of people already in the cast. We can talk about a few others. I mean, this is a big cast. I didn't necessarily write down any credits, so I apologize to those who are, you know, looking forward to that. (laughs) I guess our first major character in this film is John Gallagher Jr. He plays Mike Millich, uh, and he's an employee at Belco, as many of these people are going to be, because this is all about employees at Belco. Um, he's been in some pretty interesting uh, television series. I think that's probably what people recognize him from. I didn't really write any down, but he's got some cool projects. Moving on, I suppose, from him, I got Tony Goldwyn down. He's Barry Norris in this film. He's the COO of Belco and an ex-Special Forces soldier, which that'll be interesting coming up later on in this film. I uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I point out real quick Mopping that it? Tony Goldwyn, some of you may remember as being the voice for Tarzan oh. in Disney's Tarzan animated movie. That's big time. I know That's he's... That's big time. He's in the more recent show Scandal, so some of our lady listeners might be familiar with him on that show. Yeah. Yeah, Disney big bitches. Disney and Who can Scandal. dip their tongue a little bit of Disney? This guy. <laughs> I think he was also in the film Ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. It's true. I was just about to say, though, I remember going and seeing fucking Tarzan just down at the Village 6. Ah, that's pretty awesome, man. That's a big child's film, a Disney film. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure, man. I thought it was dope how you could slide along those fucking tree branches and shit. I wish I could do that. Surfing? I got too many splinters when I try. (laughs) Yeah, it's not not (laughs) (laughs) hyper-realistic for us, unfortunately. (laughs) But yeah, big ups to Tony Goldwyn. I was going to say... Adria Arjona, she plays Leandro Flores. She plays his assistant in this film. She is the love interest of our protagonist, I suppose, maybe, in this film. Mm-hmm. Mike. A big credit I want to mention real quick, maybe pause on for a minute, is uh, John C. McGinley. Good credit. Wendell Dukes in this film. When I think of McGinley, I think more of two projects. did mention Office Space. He's one of the bobs in Office Space. I I probably think immediately of Office Space. And then the second project, I would think, is Scrubs. Because I used to watch Scrubs on occasion, a lot of reruns. I mean, I know him from Scrubs because I've seen episodes of Scrubs here and there. Never really watched it like a lot of other people seem to. Nothing against it, I just haven't made the time to ever sit down and go through it. And it wasn't something that was part of my schedule back when it was on. But I also kind of remember him from The Rock. Nice, dude. (laughs) The Rock. He was also in a film with Charlie Sheen and a lot of really cool actors in the film Platoon. So, I mean, he goes way back, too. Oh, and Wild Hogs. 
I yeah. did go watch Wild Dogs. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like John McGinley, man. He's a fucking weird character in this film, but he, he gives good uh, character performances. I think that's probably what people would recognize his, uh, his credits for. Those hogs are wild. <laughs> yeah, they is. Melanie Diaz, she plays the new worker, our new employee of Belco in this film. She plays Danny Wilkins. I was like, oh, we got a Danny in this film. <laughs> of course we do. Another Danny. Yeah. I think uh, we need to discuss. What <laughs> yeah, why are there so many Dannys in horror films? Owen Yeaman, he plays Terry Winter in this film. He's. I thought I recognized him. Turns out good. I looked up his projects. I had, I was thinking of somebody completely different. I, I don't know who the fuck. He reminded me of somebody, but yeah, he did a good job. So. I thought he did. Pretty good performance. Big ups. You mentioned Sean Gunn. He plays Marty. He is the stoner in this film. Uh, there's one other credit I wanted to point out for Sean Gunn. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, on the Guardians of the Galaxy sets, they don't have a raccoon jumping around <laughs> with a machine gun. He's the stand-in for Rocket. Yeah? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Big ups. Josh Brunner. All right. This guy, he's kind of a little bit of comic relief in this film plays Keith McClure, and I wrote him down because I recognize him as Big Head on the show Silicon Valley. That's one I am guilty of watching. It's a Mike Judge show. It's on HBO. It's pretty decent. I, I enjoy it. He plays uh, kind of an aloof character in that show. But like I said, he's kind of a little bit of comic relief, I suppose, in this film. We talked about Rooker. He plays uh, Bud Melks. He's kind of a, I don't know, mechanic, technician, I suppose, on this film. Mm-hmm. His partner in this film is David Malkian. He plays uh, Alonzo Lonnie Crane. He's kind of a weird, unhinged worker. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's weird. Greg Henry, you didn't mention there's a voice. He plays the voice in this film. James Earl is the security guard Evan. He's our token in this film. <laughs> I wanted to bring up uh, Abraham Ben-Ruby. Yeah? As Chet Valancourt. Who's the, the stoner's best friend? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of projects. He's a pretty cool cat. He's one of those guys that I just sort of... I remember from all the time back in the day. He was... I know he was in Twister. Fucking... Jesus, I can't think of what else, but... The Shadow. Yeah. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, I remember... I mean, he's a recognizable character, but yeah. And he was just fucking on TV all the time. Plus... As I've pointed out in a lot of episodes, I watched a shit ton of ER, nice. and he was Jerry. Ah, uh, Jerry. <laughs> Big shout out to Jerry Abraham. Markovic. So. Nice, dude. I've got two more, unless there's uh, some others you want to talk about, but uh, I've got Rusty Schwimmer. She plays uh, Peggy Displacia on this one. She's the uh, redhead in this film. She's uh, an older lady that kind of flirts with Big Head in this film. Oh, Okay. Yeah, yeah, Office yeah. lady. <laughs> I recognized her too. What's she done? Tell me. I, I didn't write down oh, anything. Like I said, I didn't really write down anything what for a lot of these people. Rusty Schwimmer. Oh, shit. Okay, so I recognize her from Twister. Uh, oh, again, nice. A Little Princess. Now, Twister is kind of a, a unique tie back into uh, Frailty, which we just did. Sleepwalkers. She nice. had a small part in Candyman that we're just not remembering. Candyman. Jason Goes to Hell, Final Friday. Damn. Big ups, Peggy. Amistad. Damn. Damn, she did. A lot of shit that I've seen. See, that's why I recognized her. Rusty Schwimmer. Guest roles in a bunch of TV series. Fresh Prince, ER, Man with Children, Ellen McBeal, Judging Amy. All shit I've watched. (laughs) Nice, man. X-Files, CSI. Big time. Six Feet Under, Louie. Oh, you know, I I might recognize her from Six Feet. 
Did I mention Sleepwalkers? Because Sleepwalkers. Yeah, because Sleepwalkers, <laughs> bro. Hell yeah, Stephen King. We need to do that movie at some point, by the way. That oh, it's going to happen. Up. It's going to happen. We can't help but. The other credit I've got written down is a gentleman, David Del Rio. He plays Roberto Yerez in this film. He is, I guess, one of the uh, token Spanish actors in this film. Um, was... He was in the elevator. Right, okay. So he he's also the, the token gay guy. Yeah, that okay. too. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but you you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's he was a twofer. He was a minority. He was two minorities. In yeah, they they was like, you know what else? Bam, you got him. I mean, there's a lot of other people. I think uh, Michaela yeah, Hoover. This is actually kind of a diverse. Uh, I mean, it is a diverse. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's a diverse crowd they have that works there. That's for funny sure. That you called the officer token though, because I, I did want to bring up something that I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, it's fucked up. But it's true. Something that I thought was kind of interesting, but we'll get to that. And how did that make you squeal? Yeah, but I mean, you're looking at the same list I'm looking at. I mean, there's a lot of people in this film. The other person likes it. I could think there's a to lot give a big of people name. that, like, if you're around our age, especially, that yeah. you'll recognize. Basically, is what we're pointing out to you. That's one of the neat things about this movie. Oh, this is very recognizable cast for you're sure. Like, oh, oh, hey, I've seen him in something. Oh shit! Oh yeah, I, that guy. I grew up with her. Like, yeah, I wrote down uh, Brent Sexton too. He plays Vince. He's like one of the Norris boys. He's one of the, I guess he's like an executive or some shit in this film. Okay. He's the one with the uh, Molotov. Oh, right. That guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, spoiler. But yeah, that's that rounds out my main cast. Like, so there's a lot of other people in this film I'm not giving credit to. I should be. So, I guess for a warning? Yes, that's a good point. There's some good violence and gore in this. Honestly. Language, gore, violence, like you said. McGinley's a little bit of a creeper, but it never really goes that far. No, so. it doesn't go that far. It doesn't push the boundary in that, that respect. If you don't like being stuck in places... Yeah, I guess it's kind of claustrophobic. I mean, honestly, Shining was more claustrophobic. Oh, but. yeah, without a doubt, because... But no, there's some pretty decent gore, like a fucking axe to faces and shit. And yeah. Explosions. Spoiler, blown out heads. Yeah, we like blown out heads. That was actually pretty impressive. I kind of dug that mo- this movie for that. So Yeah, big ups. I guess let's move into how it made you squeal. Are you ready to squeal? I guess I'm ready to squeal. How does that make you squeal? Are you ready to squeal like a pig? Oh, Jesus, I guess. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Alright, so Belko Experiment. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I feel like the trailer had me way more excited for it. I mean, they, generally they do. I mean, that's kind of, you know, <laughs> their hook. <laughs> but no, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't quite what I was anticipating. But, you know, it was, it's fun. Honestly, like, I even stopped taking notes, like, halfway through the movie, because I was just like, I don't know what the point of this is right now. I kind of, I know what's going to happen. I've seen this happen before in movies, movies that did it a little bit better. Yeah. That was the only thing, was like, there was nothing new enough to really set it apart. I agree with that. It did everything that it did pretty well. Pretty well. The gore was fantastic. A lot of the acting was really well done. I'm not going to say all of it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a, a shitty film by any stretch of the imagination. There were moments I felt like there were kind of like lulls, but I mean, they kind of felt like, you know, they're just kind of gapping this, I don't know, weird bridge together, I suppose. So, were we supposed to be rooting for Mike? That's I, what I'm I getting I had to write that down at one point. Like, am I, this guy seems to be an idiot who's mostly a, 
luckily alive by the end of it. There is a lot of luck involved with that character for sure. I mean, there is a sort of a pivotal change at the end where he sort of finally gives in and shit, but I just didn't give a shit. I didn't want <laughs> yeah. I didn't want him to be the hero in the end. I wanted him to be off there to... were more likely candidates than mike in this film i wanted him to be off two-thirds of the way through and like, his yes. girlfriend to be the hero in the end yeah it would make for i think a, a far more interesting ending and a film in general she was a strong character in this film yeah she was great she was still trying to do the right thing but more practical than him he was almost suicidally idealistic i do think there's definitely a place for ideals but when they're showing you that they are literally blowing the heads off people, like, <laughs> yeah. that sometimes things have to be done. And Exactly. I mean, there, there comes a moment between, like you said, between idealism and reality, and you have to make decisions regardless. I was thinking about it, and the way that that group handles the situation, they leave as much of it up to chance as possible. They don't choose to kill two people the first time. Right, exactly. So four people at random get killed. <laughs> and, and you learn real quickly what this game turns into. They don't choose to kill 30 people the second time. And then so 31 an more have 31 to go. <laughs> randomly get killed. Yeah, a total of 60. That's a big number. I just feel like the more interesting story lies in one of the scenarios where there's a character trying to take it into their hands more. Or maybe it's just because I've been watching The Punisher, which is literally about <laughs> a guy that can basically do that. And yeah. I just want to see more of that right now. That's but. awesome. <laughs> I mean, well, there are those who work on that project. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the point of this movie. It's supposed to make you think about like what your mindset would be in this. I guess it supposed to put you in that situation, yeah. And I guess that's the thing. I would want a little bit more control over my destiny in one way or another. Because the other thing we don't have that we have in other movies that I feel do the same story better is like some people taking their life into their hands by choosing to kill themselves, either through absolute fright and terror or through just, you know, maybe in some cases, you know, somebody doing it as a sacrifice to make sure that the number gets met or yeah. whatever. Like we don't get any of that in this. That's a great point. And I feel like that's just something that just makes it even more interesting. And like, not necessarily that I want to see suicides, but it would just add another whole facet that they don't even touch on. That's not even a concept in this film. You know, given the circumstances, I'm sure, you know, not to sound morbid about that, but I'm sure somewhere in that group, somebody would consider that an option. Because that's the thing, like, when I was thinking about this, what if I was in this situation... I've already said that I'd like to have control, but I don't actually know if I could fucking kill somebody else. But out of all the possible ways they're giving you to die in those situations, because you already know that at best there is only going to be one survivor at the end. Jesus. At best. They might just kill you all. You don't fucking know. Who's yeah, to the, say? The yeah. game might be rigged. So you know <laughs> at best only one person's going to die. If you decide to take it in your hands by doing suicide... All you'd have to do is just start fucking with your thing. Yeah, and that'd be as, appropriate. As far as a fucking suicide goes, I feel like your head exploding from the inside is pretty quick and painless. Uh, yeah, given the circumstances, no shit. Yeah. Because everybody that they essentially save in this movie ends up meeting a far crueler death My gosh, than, they, yeah. than they would have in the first place. Yeah, there's some pretty cruel and unusual deaths in this movie, but... 
Yeah, I guess given circumstances too and times allotted in this film, yeah, you have to make some really critical decisions regardless of your moral fiber. And I guess this movie just doesn't plumb any of the depth that this situation could bring. But it's good because of the performances. Everybody still sell it. Yeah, sells everybody it. did their part. I mean, you Except, can't complain about that. like I said, Mark, I didn't like him, man. Yeah. He um, was all right. I mean, but he's not one of those characters I wanted to latch on to. Like you said, it's he didn't do it. No injustice to him as an actor because he's a good actor. But it's just the character itself. is like I wasn't sold on that idea of him being the final girl. Yeah. Oh, so movie set in Colombia. Yes, Bogota, Colombia. Oh, I know that we just keep talking really broadly about this. I mean, this movie is watchable. Go watch it, and then you'll understand. No, exactly it's a, like what I said, we it's an entertaining about film. For the past Ten minutes. Yeah. yeah, we were talking very broadly about very large swaths of this movie. <laughs> yeah, we paint with a, a very broad brush right there, but no, I mean, you have to give it some context too, right? And the one thing it made me think of is like, mm, they might be able to pull this off in Colombia, from what I know of Colombia. I think that's the impression they're trying to give us, right? Like, shady shit happens down there. I do know somebody who who teaches... I don't know if is currently teach. I don't know what the status currently is, but I hope that me mentioning this doesn't get anybody in trouble, <laughs> so I'm really not... I'm going to try to be general and not mention knock names. on wood, right? But Passion is teaching and, and has been doing so in, in Colombia. And the only way they have been able to stay in the country... I don't know if the only way at this point... But I was in contact, and I know that a couple of the times, making sure the staying in other country paperwork was in order, was being done by, like, bribing officials and, Dang. like, forging paperwork and shit. So That's just the way shit got done. And, like, business as usual. she knew that the shady parts of town, like, where you could almost literally, like, go, like, hire Sicarios on the fucking corner and shit. Jesus. Fucking hitman and shit. So. That shit goes down. <laughs> That also being said, I know that yeah. there's there must be parts that aren't that bad, but like I've heard about from somebody that I, I know and trust about some of this shadier shit that definitely goes down there. So Yeah, I mean it's like I said, that's not to distract from the fact that there's a lot of beautiful places within everywhere in the world, you know, regardless. But, you know, in this context, the image that we're giving is that, you know, there's a large contingent of people living in a very dense area and you know there's crime gonna happen it does happen and this company's set right in the middle of it but kind of on the outskirts not really in the middle of it but you know what i mean one of my first thoughts when going into this movie though all my first impressions with this movie were very positive because of like knowing that bh tilt knowing that was blumhouse and like orion and then as the movie opens up that dope spanish i will survive (laughs) yeah i was like yes I immediately wrote down that I have to make sure that I get that cover because I loved it. <laughs> yeah. There are some interesting covers, and I like them too. All in Spanish. I mean, it's a simple story. Fucking. It really is. We sort of mentioned it in the synopsis, but there's not much else to say. Like, these 80 employees get locked in. They have to kill each other. And well, they were supposed to kill two at first. They don't yeah. do it, so four die. Yeah. They're supposed it's... to kill uh, another 30. They only get 29, so it kills another 31. So, And then then it's basically just the survivor. A game of survivor, yeah. It's Uh, either by time, whoever has the most kills, right? Yeah, at the the last stage of that, yes. Is the one that gets to survive, or conversely, if you just kill everybody else, yeah, it's the last one standing. So 
<laughs> yeah, so those scenarios, the whole build-up to it is there's a voice giving these commands at each one of these time intervals. And if the command's not met, then X amount of people will die in return. So, that, you know, that's the whole premise. Like I said, whatever reasons we're supposed to latch onto that Mike character, the guy who's very pessimistic to the initial reaction that this might be a prank that someone's pulling until they get barriered in, like everything gets shut down. I thought it was weird that even though he was the first one to think it was absolutely 100% real, he then also held on so stubbornly to his ideals at some point. Yes, that he, he did. He would have died if they would have just let him keep trying to fucking put his goddamn <laughs> sign up. Well, that and he him fidgeting uh, with the back of his head. Yeah. yeah, and the banner. He was doing some really stupid shit throughout this film. For being the first one to absolutely believe. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Especially when they keep backing up their fucking talk. That's the one thing. Like, there's a lot of philosophical debates you could get about this. <laughs> yeah. But I is. feel like when it's happening, like, around you, like... Yeah, some of that, you know, you have to leave, you know, outside of <laughs> what this reality is now, you know. You have to, I mean, you unfortunately face the facts. You have to at least treat it as real. And I don't feel like he always was, was the Jesus. thing. No, no, no. Not until the final moment. <laughs> not enough for me to like him as being my fucking protagonist anymore. Anyway. No, no. And like I said, that's no discredit to him, but it's just the character didn't do it for me. I mean, I'm sorry, but it didn't. But the whole premise, too, is like he's supposed to have this love interest with that Leandra character. And unfortunately for her, she meets her demise, and they have like this moment. <laughs> and it's just like, come on. Come on. I thought she was a much cooler character. I she, thought she was. She was a lot stronger character. She calls him out several times. Yeah, not only does she call him out, like I said, she's the one that I guess I felt like he was too brittle. Yeah. And, like, she was the one, she was still trying to be good, but was at least willing to listen to people, and she was willing to look at things. She was trying to give ideas on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and not in a way to just extend out time. But no, either, to look at it from... she was uh, looking at it in a way to try to get shit done, and nobody was paying attention to her. No, exactly. And in return, a lot of people meet their demise. She as well. Like I said, the whole point being is he does these things that are very contradictory to his stance i suppose at the beginning and then even other characters throughout too like the one character i have a little bit of issue with in this movie is that kid lonnie who works with rooker's character bud oh yeah okay yeah, and yeah. you know he, he starts to freak out i thought wow that's a real quick like switch for him he switched really quick and then he got very aggro, and then Rooker was out in no time. Man, I was so bummed Rooker like, went out so quick. What the fuck? That's Henry, man. You think Henry would go out like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I had a feeling he wasn't going to be no, not the, final. the survivor. But I felt like when they sort of, the quote-unquote good guys start teaming up, I felt like he was going to be their enforcer to sort of turn the tides for a bit before, like, dying before the end. He met his demise way too early, and in just a weird circumstance. That kid just flipped... And told him not looking that way. Dude, Freak, that he freaked out really for. Head was pretty nasty. I'm not saying that he cool. didn't freak out for a reason, but his uh, response was like, "What the? F what was that all about? You know, that's not something a rational person does. Maybe that's you know, I don't know. Who knows? Oh man, I just fuck. This movie's worth at least one watch. Like I don't want to get down onto too much. No. I'm just. Uh, 
I do want to say, though, if you want to see a movie that does most of this stuff better, except for maybe not as funny, because there are some pretty little lighthearted <laughs> moments throughout right. this that are pretty good, just go watch fucking Battle Royale. Battle Royale is a good one. You know what else I thought, too? And I know we've talked about it briefly, too. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Cabin in the Woods. Well, I was about to say, like, I guess the only thing that sets this outside some, not necessarily outside something like Battle Royale, because even that had a bigger meta part. But, no doubt. But at the end of this, it is revealed like it's just part of a much bigger... Experiment. Experiment. Yeah, for sure. And you do get to see that. Like, the whole point is, this is like a social experiment set up with this corporation. But they leave it way open. They do. They leave it open. It appears that they do it in South America, and they get these Americans that come there to work for them. And then they have their social experiments to see... What would happen when people are put in these situations like that? And we start to see all these different survivors of the experiments. Phase one complete. That was a neat thing for me, but also at the end, it was just another reminder of one of the problems of this movie is that I love how that opened it up. And like, I would love, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I would love to see a sequel to this where they delve more on the bigger conspiracy idea and what's going on and all that shit. But the unfortunate reminder was that as you see all those other screens and all the other survivors looking at the screen and shit, I realized that so many of those stories looked like they were more interesting than the one I just watched. Yeah, I mean, think about that. All those different scenarios could have been better than what we just saw. There's one where it looked like a guy fucking flipped out and probably killed half of the people himself to win. You know, that's a good point. There's um, another one where it looked like whoever the survivor was fucking killed themselves at the end and wrote, forgive me, and their blood gosh. on the fucking... Yeah, I mean, that gives you the impression that all these different scenarios could have played out and possibly did play out. And I won't say probably they all did play out differently, but... It still gives you, an, I don't know, a sense of, like, if you put yourself in this situation, there's a likely chance that it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I felt like just even seeing just that end screen, just that survivor for five, ten seconds, whatever it is, however long it takes for the camera to pull out on that. I felt like 70% or more of those screens showed stories that I would have wanted to see more than the one that I just saw. You know, in a weird way, in a weird way, it kind of felt a little bit like Saw. With the voice and, like, you want to play a game. Well, what I was going to say is, like, if you want to see a movie that does, like, people pitted against each other more masterfully, Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. Um, If you want to see a movie where they uncover, that has good gore and they uncover a vast conspiracy, go with the first two Hostels. Oh, yeah. Big time. Or fucking Martyrs. That's a, yeah, if you want to go really far. <laughs> yeah, if you want to think of I'm sorry. Man, I, yeah, that's, you're right. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch from Belco Experiment, but, but within the, the realm. remains the same. It's, it's yeah. uncovering the vast conspiracies. Those other ones all do that better as well. And, I mean, lots of movies don't measure up to those, but this movie goes so far to remind you of those moments that it's hard to not compare. You know, that kind of makes me think, too, like, this is could be a prelude to a franchise, possibly. That's probably not going to happen, because I think this only, like, doubled its money. Yeah. I could see them doing it, maybe, on a, you know, who knows. 
but you're right. I like there were plus, certain. I mean, plus James Gunn's fucking Guardians of the Galaxy oh, all I mean... over the place. Like fucking do that, God damn it! Like yeah, he can do what he wants. I don't want a sequel to Belko Experiment bad enough to give up Guardians of the Galaxy. No, no, not, not even close. But the idea, I would think, that would would work and would make sense is like I said, is built on that conspiracy. Like I didn't feel any connection to the that corporation. I understood the concept of what they were doing, but there was no. They just had this guy that was the voice, and then he dies really quick. Like, all these guards and shit fucking die. And they're supposed to be elite, apparently, but they're not. It's weird. But anyhow, yeah, there's just, like, so these weird little things that happen in this film that, you know, it could have been better. It has been done better. We just mentioned a lot of those films that have done it better. Also, if I was put in that situation and I found it within myself that I would have no problem killing a human being, <laughs> that conspiracy nut would be the first to fucking go. <laughs> Dude, right. he started getting on my nerves. He was, I was like, I almost felt like he was giving stoners a bad name. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, dude. Yeah, Especially he was when he started dumping the water. Dumping the water. Oh, I would have at least punched him out when he was starting to dump the water. Like, yeah, you're not helping like... anything right now. No, I mean, you're freaking out just as worse as everybody else right now. But you're right. I mean, it was a cast of familiar faces, a lot of untimely deaths, some weird connections. Even the guy Norris, like the head honcho. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I kind of liked him. He was good. That's a, he that's, plays a good that's bad guy. The problem. He's being framed as a heel, as the bad guy. But he's not but really. He's a little bit more charismatic than your lead. Yeah. Even though he's doing kind of some shitty shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time he kills somebody, it's more clean. That's the shitty thing. Like. <laughs> Maybe it shows like where where I'm at on this, but I figure at least ninety nine or however at least seventy nine people are going to die in this. Right. Here's, I know that at this point. Here's what I think. Maybe and maybe, at least his deaths were yeah. cleaner than the ones that when fucking what's his name homeboy uh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. When Mike would intervene and save somebody from him, that person would end up dying much more painfully. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna reach here for a minute. All right, okay. <laughs> all right. This is my idea because I know we talked about Get Out, you know, and I know with some of these films, there's always something underlying. It can be contentually, it could be thematically, but I'm wondering if in this weird way, not necessarily with, maybe it is with the deaths too. But I was thinking, all right. There's this corporation, maybe an American corporation, hiring these Americans coming into South America. It's kind of reverse of what happens <laughs> in a lot of different places, you know what I mean? But the the point I'm going to make here is, I was thinking, I wonder if this has some kind of military context, because they have a military down there mm-hmm. that represents... They're keeping these people... It's kind of weird that they did let the natives go, like the locals, um, and they kept the Americans there. And I was like, well, maybe they're they're saying because there has been a lot of American intervention in South America with military, with sending our, our factories down there and, and things of that nature. So there's a lot of exploitation down there is what I'm getting at. So I'm wondering if the, in a weird way this some of the ideas were like, we're going to build on this exploitation theme a little bit because this is what's happening in mm-hmm. Colombia and Argentina, you know, Brazil, et cetera, et cetera. So I was kind of thinking that in a weird way. It's like, I wonder if this is kind of in a weird way, a political statement to film. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. If you want to make it more complex and lean in that direction, then make it so that one of the obviously Latina actresses, of which there was at least a couple. Oh, there were several, yeah. Have it so that they were born in Colombia, but moved to America at a very young age and came back for the job, and use that to frame how nationalistic the organization itself is. 
See, that's kind of the idea that, like, I'm They've thinking, been yeah. Americanized at this point, yeah. and so we can no longer trust them or something. See, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself on this film, because I don't know if that is even any of the concept of <laughs> the writers or whomever. Maybe it is. We don't, I, I don't know. I think in a weird way, like, there are some of those influences in this film, you know, whether it was intentional or not. But it does kind of give an interesting take on it because there is a heavy military presence there at that corporation. There's, you know, Americans working on, on foreign soil. And I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird take on it, I suppose. And, I mean, like I said, I think as with every movie that kind of uses this theme of people being pitted against each other, it kind of is supposed to make you think about what you would do in that situation. So yeah, you can't the help problems it. that we have with this are maybe just because they don't align with what we would do in this situation. Yeah. But I just still feel like there's movies that I'd rather watch. I, yeah, This movie Not had me feeling was... a lot of ugh, undesirable. It, it, it was close enough to those other ones that it made me yeah. think of them. But I, there was parts of this I was still just able to enjoy on its own. Yeah, like Great effects and great acting. Great so. acting. Like I said, there's, if you like death scenes, you know what I mean? Kill scenes. There's some good ones. Stick in there for that, but... Oh, I know we were repeating ourselves, but we have said there's better ones out there. I, I guess I just feel like I wish they would have just exaggerated any part of it have. a little bit more. Yeah. Or like, because you, you could even have went like with McGinley being more of a psycho. Oh, yeah. And, and amping up like further. his sexual predator part and stuff. And, yeah, they said there were certain concepts that I think they had in mind, but they didn't really push the envelope too far. God, let Rooker unleash. I, fucking let him go full Henry in that bitch. Oh, <laughs> man, that would have been fucking dope. You know, like, throw a throw a nightmare scenario in there. Throw, like, Jason or Freddy or somebody in there. But no, what I was going to say is uh, some of the things that I've heard about this film and reviews and whatnot, it's like, this is more like a theater film. Like, you're supposed to watch it with a crowd and feel everybody else's responses to those scenarios. Whereas, you know, you watch it individually and you're kind of put in this other state of mind. I guess what I was hoping for was... Now that we've been talking about it for fucking an hour. I know, now, right? <laughs> I guess what I was hoping for from it was kind of the same situation that happened, except instead of somebody who is at least trying to be methodical in charge, yeah. I was hoping a psychopath was in charge. Oh, it, it, with positions of Or power, at yeah, least one, sure. or because this was a horror movie, for at least one of them to go full on fucking just... Like crazy you know. <laughs> killing force or something who's to say that, that, that and mcginley that, was very easily set up for that he was and uh he didn't make it mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't make it <laughs> but uh yeah i mean outside of that i don't really have a whole lot more to say than that like I said it, it was a good watch i enjoyed watching it you know we finally got to it yeah so i mean we got that off our list it's true check I would recommend watching it, like I said, if you just want to, you know, a good one and a half hour film with a lot of action, a lot of, you know, concepts, I suppose. Not a bad watch. And it looks good. I mean, James Gunn knows how to do a movie. I mean, I guess he knows how to write a movie. Yeah, I mean, everybody involved, they did their their parts. They did a good job. Like I said, that's not to dispel anything that they've done. Greg McClain, that's who I was, not James Gunn. James Gunn wrote it. Greg McClain, he knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah, Um, I mean, he's done some good projects, like I said, uh... But this one isn't one that I, I mean, unfortunately, I wouldn't say I'd, I'd put this in my rotation of, you know, ones I would want to watch all the time. I'll watch it maybe on occasion. If it's on, I'll watch it, perhaps. I feel like if I keep talking about this, I'm, I'm, it's going to keep sounding like I'm bagging on it. But no. I, I'd agree with you that it's worth a watch. Like, I don't want to not say that. So No, I, it, like I said, it's not one of the top films, but it's not a shit film either. 
So with that, let's move on to talking about next week. Now, this is a one that I'm really happy that we're doing for a lot of reasons. I was about to say that. This one's going to be special. I know that I feel bad. It's taken this long. To well, officially we'll be episode do, 49 yeah. to really do one of the great Italians. Oh, I'm excited. And I know that that's kind of your bag. And, like, we've been all over my bag a few times. <laughs> like, shit that really just, like... Yeah. Like, just makes me, like, make this table rise up a little bit. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll get to hear all my uh, slobbering all over the, the maestros of Italian horror. And so we especially picked to make sure... Before we hit the big number 50 milestone to get this in, and I made sure that you had your choice of any Dario Argento film that you wanted. Yeah, so with that, I was thinking, all right, there's an extensive catalog I can choose from. But one that I keep coming to or keep going back to is the one that he did in the 80s, and that film is Opera. So I am very excited that we're getting to cover a really dope film, really interesting story. So, you know, I don't want to talk about it quite yet, but I'm excited that we're doing that film. That one specifically. And not any discredit to any of his films because they're great, but I feel like this one, it stands out. And with it comes a revelation that I've never watched all the way through an Argento film. So this will be my first one. yeah. Popping your cherry. That's right. You're going to be darling all over my Argento. You know I will. (laughs) But yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Fucking opera. Dude, that makes me... Just the fact that it's named opera, like, I don't know if it actually has to deal with... Does it have to deal with an opera? Yes. You'll see. Okay. That makes me excited. I love opera. Um, (laughs) So, that one's going to be special. The next one after that's going to be special. Yes. Number 50. We feel like that's kind of a... That's a big thing. We keep closing in on it, and it's it's starting to, to... set in a little bit like man that we're hitting a, a pretty cool landmark there i mean considering there was a point in my life that i couldn't count that high <laughs> yeah no, jimmy it feels it's like, like a it's, a, it is a, it's it's a real cool number man 50 god we've been bugging people for that like, fucking long yeah i'm ready to go beyond that too well they can bug us back <laughs> yeah uh, hell yeah on twitter you can twitter us at fried squirms instagram fried, fried squirms, squirms podcast the facebook fried squirms Email us? Email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. And please, whatever you just listened to us on, you probably have an option to subscribe. We would very much appreciate it if you hit that button. I'm not going to list everything off because I know that some of this shit... You know where you're at. Some of these RSS links link off to all sorts of shit. Yeah. But we're pretty much available on every major platform. If you liked us, please subscribe and pass us along. Because we love you. And with that, Fried Squirms... Out!